Amen. Let's stand to our feet right here. As we jump into worship today, I just want to remind us of why we're here, what it is we're doing here. The reason why we jump into worship from the very get-go of service is not to entertain you. It's not to kind of set a vibe in the room for the message tonight. No, no, we're here because worship focuses our perspective rightly. Worship causes us to lift our eyes. And what I know is that every single one of us in the room, we're carrying something. Some of us brought our kids to school this week. Some of us just feel overwhelmed financially, relationally. But friends, what we're here to do today is to fix our eyes on the Lord. And as we worship Him, as we focus our attention on Him, Scripture says that He literally inhabits the praises of His people. And where the Spirit of the Lord shows up, then freedom begins to break out. Then joy begins to break out. He begins to lift the heavy burdens that we are carrying into this room. So all across this room, let's jump right into that. Let's fix our eyes on the Lord, even if you want to open your hands like this. And I just invite you, take a deep breath with me tonight. Everyone just breathe in and breathe out. Feel the presence of the Lord in this room. Breathe in and breathe out. Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So we all just took two deep breaths. That means we are called to praise the Lord. So come on, every voice, every heart, let's fix our attention on Him. And let's sing, we are waiting, we are watching. Come on. Sing, we are waiting. We are watching, we're looking to you, God. We won't move without you. We won't move without you. We are hoping, anticipating. We're expecting tonight, because we won't move without you. And we won't move without you. Come on, let's invite the Holy Spirit tonight. Sing Your presence, your 
light, you are the life, you're everlasting. You are the word, you are the way, you're never ending. You are the one over it all, the name we're running to. You are the cup, you are the bread, Lord we remember, you are the first, you are the last, you are the center, yeah. you are the one over it all, the name we're running to, yeah. come on you know it, sing this no
Amen. It's so good to worship with you guys. Um, I'm Benson. If I haven't gotten the chance to meet you, I'm part of the team here at New Life Friday Night. And I just wanted to give you a quick update. A couple weeks ago, we had our back to school backpack drive. Um, we had the opportunity to partner with Colorado Springs Charter Academy, a school in our uh, neighborhood. And uh, we asked you guys 60 backpacks to bless 60 children. And you went above and beyond. And we actually were able to get uh, 75 backpacks for children. And there are some pictures that we'll show here of the kids. Um, yeah, so we did that Saturday. We went, there's a couple kids getting their backpacks. Uh, and a story about this girl here. Uh, she came with her mom and came for a backpack and was excited to get a backpack. She went through the line. We had an assembly line with all the school supplies. And she went and picked, filled her backpack picked the backpack that she wanted. After she got it filled, she asked her mom, hey mom, I saw a Spider-Man backpack uh, that my friend Marcus, who he was supposed to be here with us today, but he can't because something happened in the family. Can I fill this backpack for Marcus so that he has a backpack for the school year? Um, and those are the things that we're a part of as a church, That things that you guys have been a part of uh, as we just bless our community, and the next day we went and did some yard work, cleaned up the property to bless the school, um, and it's cool that it wasn't just New Life Friday night that was there to help and clean up the property, but we also partnered with the local families who send their kids to the school, so we had to have conversations, and hey, why, who, where are you guys from? Why are you here? And we got to share, we're from New Life, uh, this is why we do it, to just bless our community, so it's cool to partner not just give, but also come alongside our neighbors and show the love of Jesus. And that's what you guys get to be a part of. Um, so thank you for doing that. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah. And I know school, it's been a couple weeks now that the kids have been back to school. But I just want to take this time to pray over our teachers, our administrators, um, the teacher, Zoanne, uh, Principal Holmes. 
she goes to church, she's a believer, and we got to just talk with her about the, some of the prayer requests for the kids and for the teachers. Um, and so right now, I just want to lift up our teachers, our children, and our families as we just get back in the rhythm of school and what that looks like for this uh, upcoming year. So join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, God, for showing us what generosity is so that we can go and do likewise to those in our community, Lord. Lord, we lift up uh, Colorado Charter Academy, Lord, and all the area schools in our neighborhood, Lord. God, for the children, God, we pray protection over them, Lord. God, look over them as they start a new school year, Father Lord Jesus. God, we pray over the teachers, Father God, Lord, that right now you'd just Give them a supernatural energy, Lord, that would sustain them throughout the rest of the school year, Lord, as they teach, Lord. Give them patience, Lord. God, give them the wisdom, Lord, to just be with the kids, and Lord, and teach them, Lord. Uh, and God, be with the parents, Lord God, as they get back in the rhythm of school and what that looks like. Um, and just be with us, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for who you are uh, and for this night. In Jesus' name. There are four ways to give. Join us in worship. His spirit is speaking our freedom. So death and its curse have no claim. Sing our God. Our God is forever exalted with glory and Church, sorry, I'm, I'm rushing around here. I don't have my microphone ready. Forgive me for this. Welcome to church. Look at this room. It's jam-packed tonight. We're going to have to pull some seats in. We are so thrilled you're here. Real quick, Miss Lana, would you come here? I want to honor you tonight. There's a lady in the room tonight who helped really pray new life into existence. She's been an intercessor for all these years. She's got a, one of the strongest prophetic gifts you've ever encountered. And she's here tonight. She's not regularly here. Would you welcome Miss Lana Heightley tonight? Oh, no. she, she has given prophetic words here that have kept the church on track and kept the church going. And scripture says you give honor where honor is due. And you may not have met her, but all of you have been touched by her. 
Everyone in this room has been blessed by her. And so tonight, would you please give honor where honor is due? I love you. I love you. Yes, ma'am. We got you. We got you. Welcome to church tonight. We are thrilled you're here. I'm Daniel Grothy, and we want to be the kindest, most hospitable, smallest big congregation in America. And the way we do that is by getting to know people. All you introverts right now are seizing up, you know. But it's fine. You don't have to be weird. Just, you know, if you want to go knuckles or whatever, elbows or just, I don't do this. Just say that. Just say, I don't do this. It's, it's going to be okay. But take two minutes, cross the aisle, hug a neck, shake a hand. I'll come open the Bible in just a minute. One, two, three, be nice. Well, good evening. That wasn't rhetorical. Hello. You can talk to me. We're charismatics. We talk to each other here. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. We're in week three of our series, Kings and Kingdoms. And so what I'll do is I'll read the first 14 verses of 1 Kings 3, and uh, then I'll pray. And we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord out of 1 Kings chapter 3. Here's what it says. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh king of Egypt and married his daughter. 
He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because the temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the high places. No big deal, right? That was sarcastic. Um, You're like, oh, that's not, it's fine, okay, high places. Pastor told me. Uh, The king, Solomon, went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar, busy day for Solomon. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. Everyone say, a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, and because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours, says Solomon. And he goes on, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have not asked for this and not for long, since you have asked for this wisdom and a discerning heart and not for long life or wealth for yourself, Nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. I will do what you have asked, and I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be anyone like you, Solomon. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings." And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said. Thanks be to God. Lord, would you settle us in tonight? Maybe I'm asking for myself. Would you settle me in? Full week, busy day. Lord, just get us in this moment right here. Settle our hearts and... We give you our attention. We pray, Lord, that you would open us up. We pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would make us your people. We pray that you would pour your spirit out. I pray, Lord, that you would race through this place and walk through this room and walk through our hearts. We pray, King Jesus, be enthroned in this place tonight. Holy Spirit, we say, have your way. Speak to us. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And I pray these things tonight. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Amen. The story we're reading tonight, it's the early days of Solomon's reign. He's a young king. He's just getting the, 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 the group together. He's figuring out how to sit on the throne. He's figuring out who his leaders will be. He's figuring out who he can trust. He's He's settling into his leadership gifting. He's not his father, David, and David led one way, but Solomon's gonna find his own way. And so this story 
as we read it right now, is filled with possibility. There are futures and horizons unexplored. We, we don't yet know what Solomon will become. And he's tired one night after a long day of administering the kingdom and adjudicating disputes and consulting the military strategists and overviewing the budget and leading people in worship. He's, he's had a long day sacrificing a, a, a thousand uh, burnt offerings on the altar. So he's tired and it says, the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. Let me just make an observation here. This hit me really late in the game today. I, I've been studying all week, but it just occurred to me to say this to you, that God visits us while we sleep. And uh, I don't have enough time to talk you through all the sleeping, dreaming Bible stories, but suffice it to say that they're everywhere. And even Jesus takes naps. He sleeps on a boat. He was tired and I'll just ask you, are you paying attention to the actual content of your dreams? Are you paying attention to how you wake up feeling in your spirit? Some of you, you, I don't really remember my dreams. That's kind of me. But I wake up with kind of feelings and impressions. And are you paying attention to what you're feeling in your spirit as you as you sleep? Are you intuiting what's stirring inside of you while you sleep? And then when you wake up, are you turning that into prayer? Because God visits us when we sleep. Abram, he's asleep and God comes while he's in a dream and he creates covenant with him. Isaac has dreams where God speaks to him. Jacob has these unbelievable dreams that get him in trouble. Joseph has these dreams. On and on it goes, Elijah and Mary. And you see that God visits us while we sleep. And I'll just say that one third of our lives are spent sleeping. And it's the only time where we don't have our defense mechanisms up. Maybe that's the ideal time for God to open up our hearts. And maybe it's time to start thinking about welcoming God into our rest again. Throw your phone away. And lay there on the bed and say, come Holy Spirit. I'm gonna go to sleep for seven, eight hours. I pray that you'd give me rest. I pray that you'd give me dreams. I pray that you'd give me peace. I pray that you would speak to me. God is always visiting us while we sleep. And in this story tonight, you see that Solomon goes to sleep and he has a dream. God shows up in his dream. And in 1 Kings 3, 5, it says, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Big request, big moment here for Solomon. God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who said, let there be and there was, now shows up and puts this on the table in front of Solomon and says, ask me for whatever you want from me. And what does Solomon ask for? Solomon says, so give your servant a discerning heart. The word there in Hebrew for discerning is shema. He, give me a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. The word Shema is actually, you might say it's maybe the most important word in the Old Testament. The most important Hebrew concept, Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Shema Israel. Shema means to hear, to listen, to perceive, to understand. And Solomon, in that moment where God offers him the greatest invitation he could have ever imagined, Solomon says, give me a shema heart. 
a listening heart, a discerning heart, a heart that's wide open for you, God, in the moment uh, where Solomon is tested, where Solomon can ask for anything, he says, give me a heart that listens to you. The second word that he says in that prayer, give me a, a wise and discerning heart, the second word is shafat, which means to judge or to pronounce a sentence for or against, to vindicate someone or to punish someone based on the ruling, and it simply means to govern. Give me a listening heart so that I can do the job of governing all of these people that you've sent my way, of adjudicating the disputes, of, of keeping the monarchy together, of keeping the people focused on Torah and worship of Yahweh. Give me a heart that listens and help me to judge and to do the work justly. I, I think this is a really important thing for all of us to begin praying ourselves. Some of you have children and you go, God, Give me a, a, a shamaing heart. Give me a heart that listens to say to them what you're saying to me about them. Give me, give me the leadership to, to, to rule here in this home, to, to judge fairly and, and to make the right decisions and to, to bring order in the chaos. Give me a wise and discerning heart. This is what Solomon asks for. And so tonight, as we're talking about wisdom and discernment, I wanna say just a few things, read you some passages. Here's the first thing that I want you to hear is that you will never be wise without first being humble. Say it another way is you cannot be wise and proud at the same time. You'll know, I'm just making the kids real happy tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah to God. Bless them. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm so sorry. I love you. I'm so sorry. That's a beautiful baby over there. You cannot be wise and proud at the same time. Humility is a superpower in the kingdom of God. I just need you to tattoo that on your arm or your soul. Don't ever forget that if you, God opposes the proud, he gives grace to the humble. You cannot be wise and proud at the same time. And Solomon, right from the get-go, understands that he doesn't have enough in his own reserves to do this job. He says... Now, Lord, my God, you have made me, you made your servant king in the place of my father David, but I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. I've prayed that a thousand times in this job. <laughs> I prayed that a thousand times in my home. I prayed that a thousand times in my marriage. I've prayed that a thousand times in my close relationships. God, I'm only a little child and I don't know, I don't know what to do here, God. I don't have access to the mind of Christ yet. And so I'm asking God that you would open up the reserves, the storehouse of your wisdom. God, give me the answer to know what to do because this is a make or break moment. You cannot be wise and proud at the same time. And Solomon says, I'm, I'm only a little child and I don't have all the skills and I don't know what I'm doing. And this job is way too big for me. And God, if it's gonna happen, it's going to be because you give me the wisdom that I need. You'll never be wise and proud at the same time. Let humility be. Your story I was listening to an interview this week of one of Hollywood's great actors, and he's won all the awards, and he blew his life up. 
absolutely blew his life up. And he did an interview where he was saying that, there, uh, that he, he was working with Steven Spielberg when he was in his early 20s, like legend. Steven Spielberg hires this guy to be the lead actor. He was in his early 20s. And he said, I was talking beep to Spielberg. He said, I'm 22. And, and he said, I'm not listening to anything. I'm, I'm fighting Spielberg and I'm telling him he's stupid and I'm telling him where I went to college and I'm telling him all the books that I've read. And he goes, every director that directed me, I didn't allow them to direct me. And, and he blew his life up and he, he, he royally, I mean, destroyed his life. And, and when he hit the bottom, he wasn't a man of faith, but someone said to him, hey, there's this monastery down the road this Catholic monastery. And there's some people there with wisdom. You ought to go check into the monastery for a weekend. And this guy who's just torching his life and he's doing every drug you can imagine and he's, and he's squandering his resources and he's abusing women right and left, he moves into a monastery for the weekend and nine months later he walks out. And he's telling the story of how these, these monks put him back together and these monks taught him wisdom and these monks he said the way they taught me wisdom is they taught me how to be humble for the first time in my life (laughs) you will never be wise and proud at the same time if you'll submit your life to humility if you'll give your life over to the Lord he will make you wise I'll ask you tonight who are you letting direct you Who are you letting correct you? Is there anyone in your life who can tell you no? I don't trust people who don't have at least one person and and really a community of people around them who can tell them no, and if they say no, they'll listen. If you wanna grow wise, get around wise people and let them correct you, let them instruct you, let them teach you, let them tell you no, and as you say, I'm only a little child and I don't have what it takes to do the job you put in front of me, don't look now, but you're growing in wisdom and you will look back over your life and you'll see that God gave you what you needed. You will never be wise without first being humble. The second thing I want you to see about wisdom is that you will never be wise without realizing how high the stakes are. Solomon says, your servant is here among the people you have chosen. It's a great people. Too numerous to count or number. The stakes are so high. And I wanna ask you tonight, do you know how high the stakes really are? Do you know how easy it is to fall into destruction? Do you know how quickly your life can come to nothing? Anytime I've talked to someone whose life has fallen apart, it almost happens overnight and they were caught off guard by it. But then they're able to look back and go, gosh, that was brutal. Do you know how high the stakes are? Do you know that the enemy is out to destroy us? We get so precious in this enlightened modern moment where we are technologizing ourselves to death and we've got deeper pockets than any society in history and we're so unwise. You can't buy your way out of stupidity. Do you know that the enemy's out to get us? 
Do you know that he wants to destroy our lives? Do you know that he wants to decimate our relationships? Do you know that he wants to wreck our homes? Do you know that he wants to destroy our money and get us tangled up in idolatry? Do you know that he wants to to drive us out of stability and to keep us running? Do you know that Peter showed up after Jesus rose and went to the right hand of the Father? Peter was restored. Peter was unwise. But God made him wise Again, and Peter, toward the end of his life, he says, be alert, be alert, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Friends, let's wake up. Be alert and of sober mind. For the enemy is coming to destroy us. And a thousand years before Jesus or Peter, Solomon already understood this. And Solomon said earlier in his life, Proverbs 4, he says, get wisdom. Get understanding and do not forget my words or turn away from them. And do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Do you see this? Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get it. (laughs) Though it costs you all you have, get understanding and cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. There is not a passive verb in this text. It's all active. It's aggressive. Be on the front foot. Chase it down. Though it costs you all you have, go for it. I'll just say to you that the most expensive interactions are often the most valuable interactions. The most valuable interactions are going to cost you everything. Let's look up at the cross tonight and just say that the most important things cost you everything. He says, get wisdom, get understanding, press in. We so easily forget what matters and we so foolishly fall asleep at the wheel and falling back into comfort is easy, but carrying a cross is hard, but only one of them leads to life. Solomon tells us that wisdom will cost us all we have, but I'm here to remind us tonight that unwisdom will also cost us all that we have. Pick one. One, you will have something to show for it, and one, you will have nothing to show for it. Get wisdom, get understanding. They'll cost you all you have. Embrace her, cherish her, love her, and she will save your life. Wisdom will cost you everything that you have. Unwisdom will also cost us everything that we have. Let's pick wisely. Can you say amen tonight, church? Here's some questions worth asking. Some questions worth asking is, in what areas do I need to wake up? Maybe write these down. I'm not the guy who's always kind of pestering you. Are you taking notes? I'm preaching better than you're shouting, you know? I'm not that guy. I came from that church. But I have a wise mentor in my life who says to me, write it down or write it off. In what areas do I need to wake up? In what ways do I need to find help? We get so proud. We think we're big dogs. We think we got this locked in. We think we'll be fine. We think that we can think on our feet and navigate our own way through this treacherous terrain called life. We can't. In what ways do I need to find 
help. I'm calling people constantly and asking them for wisdom. I'm calling people constantly and putting out scenarios and telling them what kind of stage of life I'm in and what would you say to me and what would you have me to think about? Are there any books you would want me to read right now? Are there any other people you want me to get on the phone with? Find a counselor, find a psychologist, find a psychiatrist, find an old sage or a church mother, someone who's interceded a church into existence like Miss Lana. Like whatever you need to do, find some people who can keep you on the straight and narrow. In what ways do I need to find help? With whom do I need to make things right? Who, who do you need to make things right with? Because very often, we can only advance as far as our weakest relationship. Think about that. You can only advance, you're stuck because you're tied to something that is is broken and you refuse to address it. And friends, very often, we will be limited in how far we can go as long as we refuse to address the thing that God is inviting us to address so that there can be healing. And once the healing is released, the shackles fall off and we walk into God's glorious future. Who do we need to make things right with? Here's another question. What have I been ignoring that needs to be addressed before it becomes a crisis? What am I ignoring that needs to be addressed right now before it becomes a crisis? Young ones, please, don't don't assume that you have to learn the hard way. Please listen to me. I, I throw the challenge flag on people, say, I'm just knucklehead, I'm just hard-headed, I'm just stupid, and I gotta go learn, learn the hard way. No, you're just stupid. You don't have to learn the hard way. Wake up. You don't have to. Is, being a fool is a self-selected option. Being wise is a choice that's on the table for all of us. You can opt into wisdom early. You can start well. You don't have to blow your life up. You don't have to have a crazy testimony. God does crazy testimonies and he redeems all of us. Great. You can start young and stay pure and stay clean and stay holy and avoid all kinds of crises and avoid all kinds of potholes and not have thousands of regrets into your future. Start well. Ask people how to live a good life that have lived a good life. Can you say amen tonight, church? Jeez. Let's begin to live with a real sense of how high the stakes are and let's wake up, let's wake up, let's wake up. The third thing I want you to see is that you will never be mad at the results of slowing down to ask for and to begin to practice wisdom. I was just gonna leave it at, you'll never be mad at slowing down to ask for wisdom, but actually we can ask for it, but if we don't practice it, it doesn't mean anything. We can have people give us great wisdom. We gotta go begin to implement. We gotta be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. You will never be mad at the results of slowing down to ask for and to begin to practice wisdom. In verse 10, it says, the Lord was pleased. Anytime scripture says the Lord was pleased, I stop. What was he pleased at? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for a wise and a discerning heart. Scripture says in the New Testament, and find out what pleases the Lord. 
Solomon asked for a wise and discerning heart and the Lord was pleased with it. I can promise you that this is all that you want to be said about your life. And the Lord was pleased with Brad and Kimberly. I'm looking at a beautiful life right here. Two lives together that had become one and the Lord was pleased with their faithfulness. I'm looking all across the room. The Lord was pleased with and the Lord was pleased with and the Lord was pleased with. Friends, we can find out what pleases God. The Lord was pleased that Solomon said, I don't care if you give me anything else. I'm a little kid and I can't do what's in front of me. Please, God, would you give me a wise and a discerning heart? And God goes, chef's kiss. I see that, Solomon. I can work with that, Solomon, because humility is a superpower. I oppose the proud, but anyone who's humble, you come on down here, young man, and I'll give you everything you need to lead my people. The Lord was pleased, and that's what we want to be said about our lives. So God said to him, since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself and nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. I will do what you have asked and I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor. And this reminds me of a guy called Jesus who shows up and in Matthew six thirty three, toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, but seek first, Seek first his kingdom and seek first his righteousness. And what does Jesus say? And all these things will be added to you as well. But when we get out of line and we say, God, give me the money, show me the money. God, I just want you to make me flat bellied again. I just need a flat belly and I need, you know, my skin, I need my follicles to just re, just grow, God. Do it, God. Come on, that's fine. You can pay for that. I mean, anyway, never mind. I'm not going to call anyone out. (laughs) I'm practicing wisdom right here. (laughs) We want to ask for the wrong stuff and think that God will backfill our lives with wisdom. No, he says, start with the thing that matters. If you start with the thing that matters, then you'll learn how to steward. Lisa, I remember I pulled out our first budget from 2005, July 1st, 2005, the day we got married, on paper. I showed it to someone this week who's young, who's saying, how do we we steward? And so I pulled out our first budget, and we, we had very, very, very little. Very little. Lisa was my sugar mama. She had a car. I did not have a car. I, I, she had a job. I was just graduating college. We showed up here in Colorado Springs and she was grown and I was becoming. We had very little. But you know what? When, when God gives you wisdom, he'll give you wisdom to work with ramen and mac and cheese and to actually love it. And then you budget that and you steward that and you go, oh God, thank you. You've blessed us. We have a roof over our heads. We have an apartment. We have one car. We have healthy bodies. God, thank you so much for what you've given us. And we are not going to despise the days of small beginnings. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And God will take people who will work with what he gives them. And he will make you something. I'm not saying we're great, but I'm saying he works. He just incrementally will build a life. And we want to seek first the kingdom of this world. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. 
Seek first his righteousness. Take care of the poor. Take care of the needy. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Pick up the cross and deny yourself and follow me. And I promise you, if you'll do that year after year after year after year, you will look up and you will have a vibrant, meaningful life. Thanks, Mom. Appreciate that. Love you. I'll say it this way. When you ask God to give you gifts that will make everyone else better, he ends up making you better along the way. When you ask God to give you gifts that make everyone else better, you will not miss out. But we live in this me-centric society. I gotta get mine and I gotta sock it away and I've gotta make sure I'm gonna be okay and I've gotta make sure because our economy is, is I, I, I. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and seek first his right. He'll take care of you. All these things will be added to you as well, friends, tonight. When you seek God for gifts that will make everyone else better, God will make you better. Here at the end of the chapter, I want to read you the story right after the text we read. We'll have read all of chapter three tonight. And the question I want to ask is what happens when we have wisdom? We're supposed to seek wisdom. We're supposed to ask God for a wise and discerning heart. But what happens when we actually do seek wisdom and acquire it This beautiful story at the end is a troubling story, but you'll see why it's beautiful. It shows us what happens when wisdom is activated in all of our lives. Verse 16. It's a very strange transitional sentence. (laughs) Okay, all right. Not what I would have done. Very good. It's in the Bible. Don't be mad at me. So Solomon asked God for a wise and discerning heart. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. Now let's not knock these gals as some sort of like uh, trash. Like they were caught up in a patriarchal system where they would have been used and abused and this would have been maybe their only viable way forward. So before we point the finger, let's just understand that they were trapped in a system. These two women came to the king and one of them said, pardon me, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. Men would visit them there. And we lived together in this same house. And I had a baby while she was there with me. And the third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. And we were alone. There was no one in the house but two of us. So two ladies and two little boys. During the night, this woman's son died because she rolled over and lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night surreptitiously and she took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep and she put him by her breast and she put her dead son by my breast while I was asleep. The next morning I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely, I'm a mom, I know my baby. I saw that this wasn't the son that I had born and the other woman said, no, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, no, king, I promise, the dead one is hers, the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king, they're fighting. And the king said, this one says my son is alive and your son is dead. While that one says, 
No, your son is dead and mine is alive. You see the back and forth, the fight here. And then the king said, bring me Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. And then he gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and give half to the other. And the woman whose son was truly alive was deeply moved out of love for her son. And she said to the king, please, my Lord, don't kill my boy. Give her the living baby. Don't kill my son. But the other one said, neither I nor you shall have him cut the baby in two. And then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. and Do not kill him. She is his mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe. Because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. How many situations do we find ourselves in where we don't know what to do and we need God to break through with his wisdom? And Solomon is caught there in the emotion of this moment and the crisis of this moment. There's a dead baby, there's a living baby, there's a fight, there's, and Solomon is on his back foot, but all of a sudden the mind of God comes to him and he has wisdom to administer justice. I wanna say to you tonight after reading this story is you will prevent unnecessary death and destruction as you walk in wisdom. I'll say that again. That deserved a little more Tulsa, you know, a little more. Hey, come on, Pat. Hey, say that, Bishop. You will prevent unnecessary death and destruction as you walk in wisdom. Thank you. Appreciate that. We'll get you discipled real quick. I want you to see that cut is a key word in this text. It's the Hebrew word gazar, which means to cut, to exterminate, to destroy, to divide, to tear asunder. And Solomon said, gazar that child. Cut him. Cut him in two, give one half to the one and one half to the other, get out of here. He's testing them. He's seeing how they'll respond. And the, the devious mom said, gazar, cut that child in two. If I can't, here's what she's saying. If I can't be happy, nobody can be happy. Sound like America today? If life's gonna be hard for me, I'm gonna make sure life is hard for you. Friends, I can't tell you how much I am feeling this by the Spirit of the Lord. The devil is trying to gazar our lives. The devil is trying to cut us asunder. The devil is trying to slice us in two. The devil is trying to divide us and to separate us and to get us to hate one another and to get us to destroy one another. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And the spirit of the devil is coming into so many people in our nation today, animating us so that we steal and kill and destroy our brothers and sisters. And it's running rampant and it doesn't have to be this way. Reminds me, this story reminds me of the first story in the Bible of the first death. And we've got Cain and Abel, the first brothers. And I think it functions as a powerful archetypal story. It's a metaphor. It's an image that we must never forget. And the context is Abel seems to be the golden boy. God's favorite. Abel's just, everything he does touches and he's got luxuriant locks and when he flings his hair out in the fields, it's in slow motion and he's walking through the wildflowers and he, he's Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, Sully, right? Is that the guy's name, Sully? He's Sully, right? 
And Abel is bald like me. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Abel. Cain is bald like me. Forgive me. Cain, there's chaos. There's chaos in Cain's story. There's fighting in his story. There's angst and, and frustration and, and he just can't ever get happy. And Abel is just is working and he's trusting God and he's giving sacrifices and Cain goes to church and does the same thing and, but it's just, uh, everything's begrudging and everything's kind of consternated and frustrated and, and God still loves Cain. He loves them both. God is the God who loves them both. But God says to Cain, because he can see that Cain is struggling, he says to Cain, Cain, I want to partner with you. I'm going to bless you. Your brother is blessed. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. You can be blessed too. I need you to settle down. I need you to stop living as if you can only win if Abel loses. So settle down, Cain. And God is warning him, and God is talking to him. He's getting him, he's preparing him. He's trying to save him. But Cain can't get over it and he's frustrated and it says this in Genesis 4 verse 6 and the Lord said to Cain, I want you to hear it tenderly. Hey Cain, why are you so angry? I think the Lord is saying that to many of us tonight. Why are you so angry? And why do you look sad and depressed and dejected? And God says this to him, if you do well, Will you not be accepted? You see this? God is not trying to bless Abel and curse Cain. If you do well, will you? it's gonna work. It's fine, but you have to settle down. And if you do not do well, here's what I want you to see. He says to Cain, if you don't do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. I wanna put this on the screen in one slide. I want you to see this. Hey, Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. And I'm telling you, I feel the Lord saying this to us tonight. We've gotta get our our anger under control. We've gotta get our frustration under control. We've gotta get our poise back. We've gotta get our peace back. We've gotta get our composure back. We've gotta get our deep breath back. We've gotta be able to say, God, I need the mind of Christ. I need wisdom. I don't want to live a gazar life where I'm out trying to exterminate all those, that, all my opponents and live as if I've got to take care of myself. Lord, Lord, I want to put that down. I want to trust you. You're my provider. Hey, Cain, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Friends, we can master our hatred. We can master our anger. We can master all the craziness that's around us. It's a moment of decision tonight, and I wanna say to you that all of us have a sword, and we can destroy lives around us. We can. We can destroy reputations around us. We can try to undercut someone else in the office so that when the promotion comes up, we're the only option. We can do that, but we'll be miserable the whole way. And not only that, the devil is crouching at the door, It's desire is for us, but we can master it. Friends, we all have a sword in our hands, but we can lay it down. We can let wisdom reign in our lives. We can put it down and preserve life. What did Cain do? Cain said to his brother, let's go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, 
and he killed him. Takes us to the story of these two moms. One mom says, look, that's truly my baby and I love him so much that I'd be willing to part with him if he could live. Give, give that baby to a scoundrel, just let him live. Another woman says, no, if I'm unhappy, the whole room's gonna be unhappy. Cain goes out into the field and he takes his brother out there and he strikes him down and he kills him. The devious mom was like Cain and she said, cut the child in two. If I can't be happy, nobody can be happy. But the kind and sane and gracious mom said, even if I pay the highest price, just let the child live. She saves a life. She refuses to cut. She refuses to exterminate. She refuses to pierce. She refuses to destroy. And because she asked for the right thing, here's what I need you to see. Because she asked for the right thing, she got everything. Like Solomon did. God says, what do you want me to give you? Ask for anything. And Solomon doesn't say, I want to be the wealthiest son of a gun out there. He says, God, I'm a little child and this job is way too big for me and I do not know what to do. And so Yahweh, I'm asking that you would give me a wise and discerning heart so that I can administer justice. I wanna take care of people. I wanna honor people. I wanna bless people. I don't wanna build a kingdom. And Solomon would later go back on this and we'll talk about that later. But in his earliest, most innocent moment, he says, I wanna build a kingdom that's good for everyone. And friends, when you ask for gifts from God that are good for everyone, God will make your life great also. And so what we see tonight in this final story with the two moms, with the two kids, is that when you have God's wisdom, you will avoid death and destruction. When you have God's wisdom, you will preserve life everywhere you go. When you have God's wisdom, you'll have the sanity and the clarity to step into the most vexed situations and speak God's peace be still. Friends, we need wisdom. Tonight, let's seek first the kingdom of God. Let's seek first his righteousness. And friends, all these things will be added to us as well, but we've got to start by asking for the right thing and let God make our lives beautiful. Let's not start by asking for the wrong thing and end up in destruction. Friends, get wisdom, get understanding. Though it costs you all you have, pursue God's wisdom. Can you say amen tonight, church? Would you stand with me? Would you put your hand on your heart tonight? Before we come through the room, since we need to have a little prayer moment here, Paul would later say that Jesus is God's wisdom incarnate. If you want to, if you want to know wisdom, if you want to have wisdom, follow Jesus. Look how Jesus treats his enemies. Look how Jesus treats people who are caught in sin. Look how Jesus honors the poor. Look how Jesus turns the other cheek. Look how Jesus opens his arms. Look how Jesus lives a hospitable life. Look how Jesus ultimately takes up the cross, denies himself. And we're all here standing because of that work. So friends, tonight, would you begin to call on Jesus? Jesus, we need you. 
Jesus, we long for you. Jesus, we need your soundness of mind. We need the mind of Christ. We need kindness and we need tenderness and we need composure. Jesus, only you can give us the wisdom that we need. And so Lord, in a world that's falling apart, in a world of tribalism and hatred, in a world of exterminating the opposition, Lord, I pray that you'd make us like yourself. Give us wise and discerning hearts. Would you pray those words, Lord, give me a wise and discerning heart. Help us to know what to do in any given situation. I also sense to say this to you prophetically, some of you are on the brink of a massive decision and you don't know which way to go. And I'm telling you this week, the next seven days, I sense this deep in my bones. If you will get up in the morning and fall on your knees and say, God, I'm only a little child and this job is way too big for me. I don't know what to do. If you'll just pour your heart out to Jesus this week for the next seven days, you will know in your spirit what to do. You'll know which way to go at the fork in the road. You'll make the correct turn. And so, Lord, I pray right now for wisdom to know what to do. Some of you are wondering, should you buy the business? Wisdom to know what to do. Some of you are wondering what to do with a child that has become prodigal and wandered off. I pray wisdom to know what to do. Some of you have difficult conversations you have to have with fractured relationships. Wisdom to know what to say and to know when to be quiet. And so, Lord, we're asking that you would make us a congregation of people full of wise and discerning hearts. And all God's people said, Amen. Can I invite our communion servers to come down? What we're going to do if you're new with us is we'll come through the room. If you're physically not able to come through the room, tap your neighbor. They'll bring you an extra. But we make the journey through the room, get the communion elements as we worship. Go back to your seat and hold them there. And I'll come back here in just a few minutes and we'll receive together. Let's worship the Lord as we come forward for communion.
as we come to the table of the Lord, think about the Last Supper. Think about who's in the room that night. Think about what Peter is going to do just hours later, denying he even knows Jesus three times. This is the God of the knuckleheads. Jesus, the God of the idiots, the God of the failures, the God of the, the, the people who can't do it right. And he keeps forgiving us and he keeps feeding us and he keeps nourishing us and he keeps releasing us out back into the work. It astounds me that Jesus would send those 11 to go out and tell the story and somehow, some way, by the power of the Spirit, it happens. And so tonight, some of you come to the table with shame and I'm here to rebuke that shame in Jesus' name. You feel the condemnation of the devil and you feel, I'll, I'll never be anything less than the worst thing I did. And, and friends, I'm here to tell you tonight, Jesus is here to restore us. So tonight, would you receive that restoration? By faith, would you receive that forgiveness? Would you receive his wholeness? Would you receive strength for the next part of the journey? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And as often as you do it, do it for the remembrance of me. Jesus is here to strengthen every single one of us tonight and to give us his wisdom. Friends, you may receive that bread. same night he took the cup of wine and he said this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission the remission the remission of all your sins God is not mad at you God is not against you God is not making you pay God is not holding it over your head. It's given for the remission of your sins. If any person be in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Friends, tonight there's forgiveness, there's wholeness, there's refreshment. Drink up to the forgiveness of sins tonight, friends. Let's sing hallelujah, our God reigns. Hallelujah, our God.
second verse, his voice like the rushing of waters. Let's pull up that second verse of hallelujah, amen, and let's worship, all right? Let's go for it. The rushing of waters, his word is a tower of His blood is poured out over darkness, come on. His blood is poured out over
receive the blessing of God tonight. I pray that there would be a fresh outpouring of God's wisdom. I pray that there would be a fresh outpouring of discernment. I pray that you'd be able to spot things that you couldn't spot last year. Pray that you'd be able to see into the truth of a matter. I pray that you would be able to look beyond what looks like a gift and see a curse and run from it in Jesus' name. A distraction. I pray that you'd spot a distraction and run from it. I pray that you'd be focused and clear. Lord Jesus, give us your wisdom. Give us the mind of Christ. We need to know how to live in this wild world. I pray for tender hearts. I pray that we would be like the mom who said, let the baby live. I pray that we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. I pray tonight, may the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. I pray that the Lord would lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And I pray these things tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? It's 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. 8.01. All right. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. We'd love to agree with any of you if you have any prayer needs. If you're new, swing by Guest Central in the back. We'd love to say hi. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Much love.